The discussions that take place during this episode may contain topics that are controversial, sensitive, explicit, offensive, and or an inaccurate or outdated representation and or mistreatment of marginalized peoples and or cultures. This content may not be appropriate for everyone. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to entertain. While we always do our best to present factual and researched information, this does not indicate that everything said on the We Watch Disney podcast is factually and or historically accurate. We encourage you, the listener, to engage in your own research as well. Please use discretion when enjoying our show. And now, let's get on with the show. Listening to You're listening to You're listening to You're listening to You're listening to the, the We Watch, Watch Disney, Disney Podcast. Podcast. And we're back. Woo. It is the We Watch Disney Podcast, a place where we chrono- chronologically review everything through the decades on Disney Plus. Let's go around the table. Who do we got here? Toya, Alex, Gales, Gilly, and Dan. Sure. <laughs> I thought we were wrapping up. Can't do that twice. It throws me off. All right, so we're back today. It is a very, I would say, very interesting film that we're reviewing. Uh, the Reluctant Dragon. Was this anything like any of us thought it was going to be? Or were no. we all caught off guard? No, I was off guard. Yeah, caught off guard. In a good I mean, way. I kind of anticipated it when I saw the description on Disney+. Plus. Oh, I didn't I, read that. I was like, wait, wait a second. <laughs> and then I had to Google it and see if there was like a different version. Because, you know, I was like, well, maybe there was like an older, like, I had to check the year. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. That's that was our... diligent of you. I didn't do any of that. I know. <laughs> she just dove right into it. Let's go. Let's go. But yeah, so our movie today is the 1941 film The Reluctant Dragon, a friendly, charming, happy-go-lucky depiction of Walt Disney Animation Studios, released at possibly the worst possible time. And I'll get into that. Well, I was going to say, why? I'll get into that. Why? Are we ready? I don't know. Let me, let me buckle up. Buckle up. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. All right, The Reluctant Dragon. So what exactly is The Reluctant Dragon? You might think it's something along the lines of like an hour-long film, a cute dragon, a story to tell. Faraway land, this and that. No. Well, yes. No. But, but no. also no. <laughs> <laughs> kind not of. What this movie was about. You are like one fourth correct. Yeah. Not yeah. even. Yeah, really. <laughs> Part of the movie is that story, but the other three fourths of this movie is essentially a tour of the then new Walt Disney Studios in Burbank, California. So what you have here is Disney's first live action animation hybrid that they would do a bunch of different ones, you know, in the years to come, like Mary Poppins and the Three Caballeros. This is the first one. What year did this come out? 1941. Okay. Uh, We tag along with the director. He's not actually a director. He's a humorist. Robert Benchley, as he tries to sell Walt Disney on a story, a short story to adapt called The Reluctant Dragon. Except he really didn't want to do it. Yeah, I didn't understand that. His wife was so pushy. Yeah. Like, before we get into that, can we discuss, like, they had a warning... We'll oh, get to yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They I was did. Like, yeah. Okay. It was only eight seconds. I couldn't read the whole. Oh, thing. I took a snapshot on my it's phone. The same, it's the same to one every. I was pause it, but I know I can never get through the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Eight all seconds right. isn't long enough. Basically, so, it's racially insensitive. That's all you need to know. <laughs> you see that warning? There's, yeah, that's what you can bank on. Yeah. Um, now, why was this released at the worst possible time? Um, well, has anyone got any ideas? 
It's because um, all throughout the tour we see this happy-go-lucky lifestyle of what it's like to work at Walt Disney Animation Studios, but in the real world... They were striking, right? They're, they're very good. This film happens to be the same. It's released during the Disney Animator Strike of 1941. So, you had staff members on strike picketing the film's premiere uh, with signs mm -hmm. that attacked Disney for unfair business practices, low pay, lack of recognition, and favoritism. Um, and at one theater, you even had, they were holding up signs that said the reluctant Disney with Disney's head on a dragon, like, <laughs> sign. Yeah. Ooh. So, if you went to go see this film, it was a bit conflicting uh, experience. You, you, you're outside the theater, and there's picketing and everything wrong going on at Disney, and then you step inside, and you aren't expecting this, but everything's great in Disney. Everybody loves their job, and we're having a great time. Yeah, that's how they make it look. It's essentially like 90 minutes of like Disney propaganda, mm -hmm. which they didn't really intend for it to be, but it turned out to be that way. Why didn't they just Everything's wait fine. to release it until like the strike and stuff was over? I don't know. I assume because Is of the what? following movies that were coming out that were probably in this film. Yeah, they, they had a lot of movies. The Reluctant Dragon to throw people off and make them think they're going to see an innocent Disney film? I think, I, if I had to guess... I think the reluctant dragon is supposed to be like twofold, it, like the story, but also to, Robert Benchley's kind of yeah, reluctant to right. sell the yeah, story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, speaking of audiences, though, how was it received? Uh, not great. Um, a lot, oh. a good portion of critics and audiences were put off by the fact that the film was not a new Disney animated feature, similar to the prior hits like Snow White mm -hmm. and Pinocchio. Um, they also weren't too fond of watching what was basically a collection of four shorts. Which yeah. that sounds like us, really, yeah. um, and various live-action segments. So they went to the theater thinking that they're seeing a new Disney animation feature. They get into the theater, and the first ninety minutes of it are just a behind-the-scenes tour of Disney, which yeah. is cool. But I thought it was cool. cool. I thought I it was cool it. too. But I could see back then being disappointed. Yeah. yeah. But it wasn't universally hated. There were others in, uh, in support of the film that praised the behind-the-scenes aspect of it. Um, they thought it was clever and unique and something different that you don't really see all that much. I really don't think you see that all that much even today. Like, a lot of behind-the-scenes, like, no. tours of studios are kind of reserved, and they don't really show you the animation process. Yeah. So even for in that regard, I think it's kind of interesting. Um, but all in all, financially, it was not a success. Uh, it cost 600000 to make. And in return, it only made 960000 so a profit, but not by that much. Mm -hmm. And in the United States and Canada, it didn't even make its money back, 460000 in total. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it benefited from... I wonder know. if that's because of the strike and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think that had a lot to do with it, because I think there were people who maybe were turned off, who maybe they went to the theater, and there's all these people picketing, and yeah. they don't want to give the money to Support go see... Them. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, most of the animators that you see in this film were actually hired actors to portray animators. Oh. Um, whether it's due to the strike or not, it's not really known. Um, but there are some animators, real Disney animators, who do appear. Well, obviously, but you also have Ward Kimbrell and Norm Ferguson. And then you have the voice of Donald, mm -hmm. Clarence Nash. He yeah. shows up as well, too. Clarence Wait, who are, Clarence who are the other two? Were they the ones that were in that baby short? No. Oh, because those guys looked pretty convincing. <laughs> they're towards the end. Okay. With uh, Goofy. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, what I also think is kind of neat at the time is that throughout the film, we get a little preview of characters who are coming up in different films. Yeah. Like, right around the corner. Mm -hmm. um, we see some characters from Dumbo, Bambi. The music from Dumbo. The music from yeah. Dumbo as well. Uh, Lady, Lady, Lady in the, the Tramp. Tramp. Mm -hmm. um, and there was some Peter Pan stuff in there, too. Yeah. And there was also Fantasia stuff. Yeah. Which is kind of cool, because that's like kind of what Pixar does now. Yeah. Where like they usually put an Easter egg of like a character who's going to be in like an upcoming right. movie. So. 
And then finally, uh, you want to hear some weird censorship? So, yeah. watching this film, it's pretty clear that there are several unfavorable depictions. I think it's easy to say. Yeah. Um, but at the time, it's called the Hayes Code, which is what it was like um, industry guidelines for censorship. And it only lasted to like 1968. They only had one issue with the film. And that was that the reluctant dragon um, had a belly button. Hmm. And they didn't like that. So they had to go back and take out the belly button on the reluctant dragon. What? Yeah. Couldn't There's show that. belly button. They didn't want to sexualize a dragon? Is that... Really I guess so. I, mean, sexual? I don't know. I mean, I mean the 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 statue from Fantasia just has titties out. I mean, they're not there's no nipples, but like, right. she's not wearing anything. Yeah, they had yeah. titties True. out in this one too. Yeah. yeah. True. Where were they the in Fantasia? Where they draw the line? Yep. Where were they in Fantasia? Where we saw the ghoul titties. Oh yeah. They didn't have any problem with that. Nope. <laughs> ghoul titties. All right. So let's get into the actual film. Uh, the Reluctant Dragon, the big feature show with a thousand surprises, is what it said on the poster. The movie. Ooh. I think so. Ah. Uh, released June... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> released June 27th, 1941, rated, TV, uh, rated G, and has a runtime on Disney Plus of 1 hour, 13 minutes, and 56 seconds. It's a little too long. So it's rated G? Rated G. What? Then, then, it gives a, then it gives a warning? Right? For great. Yeah. The warning is now, today. They didn't have that warning back then. Right. But... No, but, what, but he said, why is it rated uh, G now? It's rated G changed. changed a rating then, if yeah. it's going to be culturally inappropriate. How does that work? Do they re-rate things? Is that like a thing that I get. I mean, no. they have a warning on it now, so... I don't know if they ever re-rate anything. Like, if they go back and say, like, this is actually... Like, PG-13 yeah. or... Yeah. Well, the warning's probably in place of having to do any of that. Yeah. I guess. It's a whole big production. You know? And I feel like that kind of stuff, it, the like the rating goes by language and like, um, like nudity and st and violence and stuff there, which there wasn't really any of. It's yeah, true. There's right. no. Yeah, there are certain like amounts cool. of like those categories that you can have to keep yeah. it in a certain rating, but you're right. There is no cursing. There is no violence. So. Yeah. So just because it's something's culturally inappropriate, I don't know if it would change the rating. I, I don't know. Right. I don't work for the rating bureau, whoever. Whatever I mean, you smoking call. can change his rating. So that's true. They're just yeah. the act of having cigarettes in your. I think it's rated G for the time. Yeah, they did. Yeah. When he's outside the animation building. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Directed by Alfred Worker for the live-action scenes and Hamilton Lusk for animation, released by RKO Radio Pictures, starring Robert Benchley, Francis Gifford, Buddy Pepper, and Nana Bryant. Oh, so Robert Benchley's a real person. He is a real Can person. Can I ask why he looks so familiar? I think he looks kind of like older Walt. He does. Okay, may maybe that's what it yeah, is. Like, especially I, I'm looking at this guy, I was like... When they do the older, like, drawings, when they do the drawings of Robert Benchley, he looks like older Walt. To me, yeah. he, he just, he didn't look like this, but he reminded me of Mr. Banks. Yeah. Yeah, that too. Like his personality for yeah. some reason. When I, yeah, and then when I finally maybe. saw Walt, I was like, oh my God, I wasn't expecting him to be that young. Me neither. Just because I'm just so used to like, yeah. the Walt Disney World Walt. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. It was weird. Yeah, it was so bizarre. Also his posture, like the way he was sitting. I know, well, I was, was like, like wait, this like, like crossed yeah. or folded. I know, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> it was kind of funny. <laughs> So lax. Before we open up, we get the dreaded Disney Plus disclaimer warning about negative depictions and or mistreatment of people or cultures. Um, I think it's appropriately earned for this one for certain parts of it. Yeah, I yeah. 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 <laughs> I was I forgot about that one thing 
as mm-hmm. I was starting my sentence, and I was uh-huh. going to say, like, whoa. Yeah, I was going to say, like, oh, I feel like it was a little hard to see, but then that one thing, it was like, like smack you in the face. I, look, I looked at I looked at Alex, I was like, yo, holy <laughs> shit. What? Oh, we'll get to it. Oh, we'll get to it. <laughs> Also, before we open up, uh, we get the opening credits, which normally we don't mention because there's really nothing worth noting in them, but it's because it's a first full-length feature for Disney where the voice actors are actually credited. Usually Disney doesn't really care about that much, yeah. and you don't see any of them mentioned. Yeah. Um, but we also, we get a full mention of them. We get a full mention of the directors and the staff. With their little caricatures, and yeah. I loved it. Yeah, and their signatures as well. I think they yeah. only did that because of the strike and then trying to show appreciation. No. I don't know, because yeah, the, the impression I kind of get was that like this was... Pro- mostly made before the strike really like took off yeah gotcha. so i think it's just i think a lot of this is just really coincidental okay the opening credits also finish with a message for the audience this picture is made in answer to many requests to show oh, yeah. the backstage life of animated cartoons p.s any resemblance to a regular motion picture is purely co- coincidental which i feel like is them basically telling you this isn't like a film a this is yeah. like a documentary yeah, yeah. We got Not your money. Mom. <laughs> we got your money. Get out. So we open up with a black and uh, in black and white with a couple reading a fairy tale story poolside. This is Mr. and Mrs. Robert Benchley. Mrs. Benchley is reading a short story called The Reluctant Dragon to her husband Robert Benchley, who is f- flapping around like a baby bird in the pool shooting, shooting ducks. ducks with. Yeah, it was like darts. Yeah, yeah, yeah the little suction cup, cup darts. Yeah, but it was yeah. just so weird. I was like, why is he so childish? Right. How'd you like his bathing suit? Oh, the stripes. He's right. like a full-on yeah, yeah. sailor with his yeah. with a hat, too. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Benchley, uh, the real Robert Benchley, was a humorist and comedian best known for his contributions to The New Yorker, where his essays would frequently feature topical and absurdist humorous takes. He would also make the jump to Hollywood, where his short film, How to Sleep, would win the 1935 Academy Award for Best Short Subject. Um, I don't know for sure, but if you watch How to Sleep, it feels a lot like the how-to Goofy shorts. Oh, okay. He's got a narrator. He's also act. He's the narrator, and he's acting out the scenes, and like stuff is going wrong in the picture while the narrator straight face narrates it. Right, right. Very similar to the Goofy shorts, which we'll see later as well. Mrs. Benchley is played by Nana Bryant. She appeared in over 100 films during her times. Nana. Nana. Is her name? What yeah. kind of a name is Nana? It means grandmother. <laughs> oh Jesus! Yeah, I'd be so pissed. Uh, most notably, he she appeared in Harvey, Brewster's Millions, and The Adventures of Tom Sawyer in 1938. I love Tom Sawyer. Mm-hmm. She was Mrs. Thatcher. I don't know who that is. Do you know who that is? Yeah. Okay. Mrs. Benchley fe- uh, finishes reading up the Reluctant Dragon and is annoyed at her husband's lack of interest and attention. She then comes up with the idea out of the blue of pitching the idea to Walt Disney and selling this book to him. Now, whose book is it, though? I was going to say, I don't know how this works, but I don't think you can just pick up a book from, like, a bookstore and, and sell it to a studio and make a profit off it. Like, yeah. it's not yours. You can't, like... You don't like, have the rights right, to it. Right, That's why I was yeah. trying to figure out, like, did he write it? Did someone in their family write it? The only thing mm-hmm. that they say is that the, the book itself belonged to their nephew, maybe but they it's not mean, his. Maybe like, they mean that the nephew... But then they still they still don't have the right to sell his stuff. No, it's a unless real, he like passed away or something. Yeah. It's a know. real children's story. It's from ni- eighteen ninety eight. Kenneth Graham is the one who came up with it. So oh. like, it belongs to someone. Like you can't just like bring it to Disney and like, hey, give me some money. I think you should like, like <laughs> you, this. Should, you should make this Batman an emotional picture. Batman were not that serious. So I guess. Yeah, but then he he did um, we know that he wrote Mary Poppins like, and he needed to. I mean, made. He didn't write Mary he made, Poppins. He made the movie, and he needed the rights from the book from... Yes. Yeah. Um, what year was that, though? Travers. Um, I don't remember the year. 
But his kids were young. He was young because his kids were kids. Robert is hesitant to do so as he hardly knows Walt and he's sure he's he's sure that Walt hears a million ideas every day and he's not just going to listen to his idea when he just comes walking into his lot. Um, and he declares that he's not going and that's final. His pool float gets out from underneath him and he falls in the pool. Fast forward to the couple in the car now and it appears Robert has begrudgingly agreed to do this against his will. They arrive at Walt Disney Productions as we hear uh, for the first time uh, it's Whistle While You Work is playing in the background. Yeah. From Snow White. It actually sounded really nice, too. It did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, as their car turns into the lot, they are stopped by a security guard blowing his whistle. Security guard asks him if he has an appointment, to which they say no, but they want to see Mr. Disney. The guard asks for a name, and he walks off. Um, and when Robert gets out of the car, um, his wife informs him that he'll be pitching this alone. Ah, bitch. Yeah, yeah, just flat out ditches him and just goes to the shopping. I'm going if shopping. she wanted him to do it so badly, don't you think she should be there? Like, who's to, maybe he could be like, yeah, I did it. And just like, mm -hmm. I don't know, I mean, dicked around all day. I, I mean, that's kind of what he did. Yeah. Well, the security guard returns and he gives Mr. Benchley his pass to enter the studio. So it worked out. He got an appointment with Walt. Is it that easy? Do you think it was really that oh, yeah. easy? Yeah, just go to the studio now. Just say it I want to meet with... must have knew his uh, name. Yeah. <laughs> I want to meet with Bob, uh, Bobby I said Bob, Bob Iger. Wow. I want to meet with Bobby Paycheck. Yeah. And you're like, all right, we'll, we'll get you an appointment right now. Bobby Jeepskate. <laughs> Robert walks the lot, um, and we see the iconic street sign showing in one direction is Mickey Avenue, and the other is Dopey Drive. This signpost was built specifically for this movie, um, and was supposed to be removed when they were done, but... How could you remove that? Well, they didn't. Because it's still there to this day, and you can go see it if you want. Really? Oh, wait, yeah. we actually looked this up, though, yesterday. You can't just go. You have to... They only offer tours of the studio during certain times of the year, and you have... Like, obviously, you need... Is like, it still, like, an operating studio? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and the sign's still there and everything, and... Yeah. That's so cool. But you can't just, like, get up and Pull go. Up and yeah, like, yeah. but most studios, you need, like, a like a time, like yeah. a reservation or whatever. Um... But they just had a special for the D23 people. Yeah, it's, it's like now until November something where they're doing tours of Walt yeah. Disney Animation wow. Studios. And I'm a D23 member. I could have gotten us tickets if we were going. You Aww. let us down. I'm sorry. We don't have a, <laughs> we don't have a California trip planned. <laughs> yeah, after watching this film, yeah, I like it, California. it's kind mm -hmm. of, I kind of want to go. Like, that would yeah. be cool. Next time cool. we go to California, I'll have to look into that. Yeah. Yes, you should. Yeah. Next, uh, we meet our... Glasses wearing, no nonsense, young studio Nazi. Oh, he's so annoying. Name yeah, of Humphrey. <laughs> he's literally a Nazi. L literally. He's played by Buddy Pepper, which is a great stage name. Um, not a lot of acting credits to his name. He would only appear in like 16 works, but he's more known in the music industry where he was a songwriter and composer. Um, he wrote several songs for the films Mr. Big in 1943, and he wrote the title song for the Oscar-winning film Pillow Talk in 1959. Wow. He was also a vocal court, uh, coach for a lot of stars, including Ju Judy Garland. That's nice. Yeah. Not impressed, sorry. No. Okay. His name's cool. He does have a cool name. <laughs> Buddy Pepper. Humphrey informs Richard that he has been assigned to escort him to Mr. Disney's office, to which Richard seem is seemingly bothered by. Um, the two walk the lot as Humphrey reads off facts. Wait, uh, Richard? Did I say Richard? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, Robert. I'm sorry. How dare you? Wow. <gasps> Let me try that again. I did write Robert. Oh, my. Oh, you mean Richard? I did write Richard, yeah. I hope all your notes are... Oh, my are... God. I wrote Robert like three times. <laughs> you mean Richard? No, I wrote Richard. <laughs> you said Robert just now. I know. You said I wrote Robert like three His times. His name is Robert, right? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. There's Richard all over here. <laughs> Richard, oh, wow. wow, there's dicks everywhere. <laughs> I was like, what a dick. <laughs> Look, 
Humphrey informs Robert that he has been assigned to escort him to Mr. Disney's office, to which Robert seems bothered by. The two walk the lot as Humphrey reads off facts about the studio to Robert. Um, 51 acres, did you know? I did not know that. That's what he said. He said that. I know. That's oh, I thought you were looking it up. No, no, no. Yeah. I was just being facetious. You got any other ones that he said? Um, I think that the, he said something about the soil being like oh. mildly like uh, something. And then... Acidic? Yeah, and Sulfuric? No. No, it wasn't. It's something weird. Yeah, and then um, they have heavy deposits of like gypsum and something. Yeah, and two other things, I think. Yeah. Gypsum he was, was talking about... On time delivery is the soil. <laughs> Did he talk about something solar? Maybe I, don't, so I stopped listening to this guy. Something environmentally friendly that he did mention. This guy. Mm-hmm. I maybe I just maybe I just I don't maybe remember. Maybe it was just wishful thinking. This guy started talking. I stopped listening to him about halfway through. Oh, I, I got very tired. Nah. he was annoying. Not paying attention to his surroundings, Humphrey doesn't notice that Robert stops following him and detours into the art class building. His first stop of the day. But the, but like he stops and like okay so no he goes in because he sees this woman go in and he thinks that she's the model. But she's, that's I didn't pick up on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, he sees, it was a nude he sees oh. this beautiful woman go in, and he's like, "Ooh, animation class! Oh, they must be drawing this gorgeous and woman." That's why naked. he was peeking in the window. Yes, that's why he was being a creep. And then this, yeah, and then this guy yeah. came out. He really and, was pervy the whole time. Yeah, and then this guy came out, and he like makes conversation with him. This animator. This is where the smoking, smoking is. Yeah. And he was like, and like I'm like sitting there. I'm like, who is this guy? And you're like, he's no one. Well, yeah, he's just an actor. I'm yeah. like. Oh, so why are we, like, specific... Like, it was just so, like... It was almost pointed, like, the way they, like... Oh, that makes us... Okay, that makes us make more sense then. All right. As he looks inside the window, he's caught off guard by an employee, like you said, on a smoke break. Um, When he enters, we see that the real-life model is not a person. It's not this woman that he thought it was. Right. It's an elephant. Yes. Giant elephant. With a hat. Yeah, with a hat. And he falls over, and a skeleton falls on him. Like, why are you making such a, such a ruckus? Yeah, and why is there a skeleton in there? Because he was trying to peek without any notice. Yeah. yeah. Peeping Tom. Yeah. That's right. Creeper. Uh, the animators are studying the elephant in order to get a better understanding of how they behave and how they look. Um, we look over the shoulder of one of the artists and see that he's drawing an elephant that kind of looks like uh, Mrs. Jumbo. Dumbo, yeah, yeah, I said that. Yeah, or Dumbo, maybe. Yeah, I said yeah. that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, Dumbo's mom. That whole little thing reminds me of, what's that thing at Animal Kingdom where Animation you draw? Animation experience? Yeah, that's yeah. what that reminded me of. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Mrs. yeah. Right? Yeah, it was. They go to another artist, um, they, and this artist has drawn an elephant that apparently is too dumb looking. Yeah. Mr. eventually so seems mean. to disagree. And that elephant is in... That elephant is in um, Dumbo? Jungle Book. Oh, Jungle okay. Book. Okay, kind of looked like Jungle Book, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mr. Benchley seems to disagree, though. Um, he takes his time to shit all over elephants. Yeah. I know, right? Did that you, was so Can mean. you believe that this giant animal with the brain has the brain the size of a walnut? Yeah. First of all, just that a, animal is smarter than you, you fucker. Just a big, dumb, stupid-looking elephant with a walnut-sized brain. So Fuck mean. You. The only animal stupid with ass. the tail on each end. Yeah. 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 Like... It's, okay. it's, it's, like, um, it's not a tail, it's a trunk. Yeah. Remember when uh, Deems and Fan- uh, Fantasia were just going off on the T-Rex? Yeah. I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah. and, like, it's, this is what this is like. I know. Yeah. so mean. That's so funny. Why are we so mean to animals? God. As Mr. Benchley is giving out about the elephants, one artist decides to get back at him and starts drawing as he speaks. Um, when Mr. Benchley grabs her drawing, we see that she has drawn Mr. Benchley's head on the elephant's body with a big ears and big nose and yeah. a ginormous yeah. ass. He's a good sport, though. He's well, like, the, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, yeah this becomes like a, like a reoccurring gag throughout the whole film. Yeah. And he laughs he at it every time, so. Yeah, because he sucks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
the whole class has a laugh at his expense, but he joins in on the laughter, and he even takes one more shot at them, saying, you know, with a face like that, it's an improvement over the elephant. And the elephant's just like, fuck you, get out, get out, now. Mm -hmm. And roars yeah. at him, scaring him out of the room. Next, we see that Robert has found the music department. Um, inside a studio, a conductor orchestrates as a band well, starts playing music. This was music. like one of my least favorite Really? Parts. I was just going to I thought say, it was so cool. Was yeah. It was okay. cool, but it went on forever. <laughs> yeah, it did seem rather long. Wait, no, this is just the orchestra. This isn't yeah, the sound yeah, effects. Yeah. Oh, I like the sound effects. Yeah, I like this I one too, about the one too until the freaking chicken lady came yeah. in. Yeah. I was like, really? Anyways. He takes a seat next to a gentleman who is spraying his mouth with water, and then a woman in a fur coat enters the room, and it's Florence Gill. Flor she literally looks like a chicken. She kind of yeah. does, yeah. She does. She's the voice of Clara Cluck, which is a short that we never saw. Um, Are you sure? Didn't we see one? No, the... we saw the wise little hen. In, oh, is which, that her? That's her. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's what we know her from. Yeah. Yeah. Soft, slow music begins to play as they're soon accompanied by chicken sounds. Mr. Benchley is blown away to see that Florence Gill is the one making the chicken sounds herself. Next, a gentleman who had been sitting next to him this whole time gets up and joins her, and it's revealed that this is Clarence Nash, and he's the voice of Donald Duck. He joins in. Um, the two of them in their unique voices sing a duet with the beautiful music behind them and like I said this just goes on forever forever and, and ever, ever and ever and ever and ever I mean it was cool but, and he's like I make a pocket of air in my mouth like whoa, whoa, whoa. what the fuck yeah I mean I can't do it can anyone no mm -hmm. no no it's not yeah. How'd you do that? Did you, you make, make a pocket, pocket of air? Mm -hmm. I just, I used my throat, really. <laughs> oh, that was close. Yeah, it was. You're getting there. That would sound like a little, like, I was... a drowning duck. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to say, oh, fool me, but it just wasn't working out. Good try, Toyo. Thanks. Good Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Benchley then asks uh, Clarence if he could talk like a dragon too because he's showing his book to Walt he asks how a dragon would sound and Mr. Benchley then gets on all fours <laughs> this was kind of funny <laughs> he starts to imitate a dragon uh, you know the video I know you know it yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch yeah. doing the, so the Hobbit have you guys ever seen okay so in the Hobbit there's the dragon smog my tattoo you know on my foot mm -hmm. so like he does the voice and he literally is like crawling around on the ground, Benedict Cumberbatch, and he's like, I can smell you. Like, and they've got really, a camera really in front of his face because he, he, they use his face to kind of like resemble. Yeah, they did like like the like the CG mapping yeah. thing. Like, yeah, but it was so, it's funny to watch, but like, this is what it kind of reminded me of. That's really funny. Yeah. As he's doing so, we see Humphrey return and he's not amused. Um, he he's is like, score fuck this fucking guy. He's already had why, enough. Why? Why am I in charge of this? Of these idiots? Like, come on. He then escorts Robert back out onto the studio lot, and they head to Mr. Disney's office. On the way, Robert gets separated again when a bunch of props being escorted across the street break up the two, and Robert now finds himself in the sound department. They were so rude, those prop handlers. They were. No, nope, they don't have time for letting him get out of the way. Like, he's just coming with them. Like, it's so <laughs> ridiculous. My goodness. They're all, they're, they're busy. They got places Pro to be. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So we'll be smick. The sound studio, it's, it's this giant building with props everywhere. Normal, everyday yeah. items. Um, and as Robert's looking around, he's startled when he hears a train whistle say, hey, look out. Um, he turns around and finds a woman who provides the voice of a train whistle using this it's like Casey audio. Jr. It's Casey Junior. Yeah, um, he's using she's using this like audio distortion device yeah. 
It's called uh, Solvenox. And like, it picks up on your vocal cords, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like it, it like the box, I guess, uh, like for the vibration. Yeah. yeah the then, way she was you explaining don't even, like, speak. it. You don't yeah, speak. Yeah. The way she was explaining it kind of didn't make a whole lot of sense because if, like, if you just mouth things, your vocal cords don't, don't move. Vibrate. Like the whole point is to have you the have to, air come out. Like a whisper, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. So yeah, this is actually the voice that they, this is how they would do the voice for Casey Jr. in the next film that's coming up, Dumbo. Um, the woman doing the voice here is a studio artist named Dora, Doris. She's played by an actress named Frances Gifford. Um, Frances provides the voice of Casey Jr. here, but in the actual film, it's not her. Well, they actually well, she did says say... it's not her. Yeah. They alluded to it later, but... She know, said, I'm just filling in. You yeah. Know, the real person went to the dentist. Yeah, the real person's Margaret Wright. She was, was she on strike? On strike. <laughs> she was, <laughs> <laughs> Dora That's shows funny. Robert how the device works, and he too makes the sound of a train whistle. Um, but he didn't know what to say. Yeah. No, he didn't know what to say. A lot of pressure. So he went really patriotic. He really did. <laughs> what I also think is interesting, and I don't know if he's supposed to be, like, the character Robert Benchley is supposed to be, like, really famous director, but, like, if you notice, nobody, everybody knows who he is. Right. Yeah. And, like, yeah. the first time they see me. him, they always greet him, like, oh, oh hi, Mr. Benchley, you know what I mean? I feel like it was just because, like, I don't know, the, like, security guard, like, everybody on, like, Sent that at all points uh, yeah. now. Good job, he's I, here. Robert yeah, Benz is in the building. I feel yeah. like, I, I agree with Hillary, like, that's kind of the impression I got. It was one of those things where it's like, like, I don't think you he would, was known. Yeah, I think like, they just knew he was there. I yeah, thought like, they you would think that it, it was, it would be, like, really hard to get an appointment with Walt and that it would be, like, really difficult, but, like, the reality is, Walt gets no visitors, so, like, when one shows up, everybody knows! I got yeah. time. This job is a joke. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's just the impression I, I, I got, maybe not. I thought they were going for, like, this whole mood of, like, everybody knows your name. Like, oh, yeah, we right. all know you, oh. eventually, like, treating you like a like Norm guest. Like, Norman, cheers. I yeah. like that, because he seemed... Well, like, caught off guard that yeah. people knew who he was. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Maybe, though. I didn't consider it that way. I didn't know he was a producer. In, well, I think in this story, he's supposed to be, like, a director. A director, some kind. I'm sorry. Or maybe a producer. I don't know. They were, they're not really clear. But he's supposed to be in the filmmaking business some in some yeah. way. Hmm. Um, another worker hands Doris a sheet music, and the conductor calls for the lights to be turned off. And we see a screen star playing a cartoon of Casey Jr. And we watch this whole entire short in the middle of this movie. Here's our first short. See, I like how you guys think you're going to escape these shorts. No, even <laughs> in films. I told Alex yeah, I was like, we just watched a bunch of shorts. <laughs> even in these films, you're still getting shorts. With but I really, yeah. I, I, I kind of enjoyed it, though, because I, when it started playing the different music and stuff, I'm like, yeah. that's Dumbo. Yeah. And she's like, what? And then I had to look it up yeah, on my phone yeah. and show it to her. She's like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, Doris provides the voice of Casey Jr. in real time, and the workers provide the sound effects in real time, using various props to create the sound. Um... Interesting to note that the animation sequence we see here was not created for Dumbo. No. Um, it's much longer. Um, there's no markings on the train to indicate that it's from the circus. The it's circus, just a regular right. train. Okay, but can we just... Okay, real quick, though. Remember when we... we, You and I were watching it last night, and like there were those guys making that noise, and they had those weird masks on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what the hell was that? They looked like they were part of like the KKK. They looked like, like um, from uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple. Yeah, the guys like, that jump out at you. <laughs> what Why did they need had, like, those? these gas masks on. Yeah. yeah. And then the other thing is, and I was thinking this while I was watching it, and I agree with Mr. Benchley. At the end, he was like, well, it would have been easier to just record a real train. Yeah. And I, and I agree with him. Like, why didn't they just do that? Why mm-hmm. did they have to go through this whole... Because the trains can't talk. 
Okay, that part you could have done, but like they should have crashed just... it too. They got money to blow. You yeah, like if you look at all the steps, like that guy sticking his head in the water yeah. and then he's coughing and yeah. then blowing in a bunch of different whistles, like all the steps that go into it. That's cool. No, I agree, it's cool, <laughs> but it probably would have been easier to just yeah. crash the trains. You know, Crouching glass. Well, you, mm-hmm. mimic, you know what's yeah. interesting is that I always thought that they. I mean, I don't know if they they changed now, but I always thought they made like the sound effects first. Or maybe mm-hmm. they did the do they do the voiceovers first and then animate it and then you add the sound effects? Right. It looks like here they animated, animated it, it first and then you did the sound and effects. And then you got that's a lot of pressure to match the 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 sound, sound to the they have a whole Oscar category for that. Yeah, imagine they like messed up the crash and had to restack the That's what I mean. Yeah. That's why like, it's shit. definitely easier to yeah. just customize the sound, like to tailor it the way you need it to be. I guess. Yeah. Mr. Vegley leaves the sound studio and sees Humphrey is still looking for him outside. <laughs> he detours into another room, and when he does, a green light shines on him, transitioning the film from black and white to now full Technicolor. Oh my god, I didn't even realize yeah. that. It just they were kinda... talking about it. I know, but I didn't even, like, now that you said that, I didn't even realize that the film changed from black and white to color. Yeah. In the middle of I thought that thing. was... Cool, but I didn't understand why they did that. Like, why did they not just do the whole thing in color? It's like, fun. to show the progression. Yep. Mm-hmm. Interesting. He has wandered into the filming room. We see the uh, the multiplane camera that we've been talking about. Yeah. Um, that's been used in other films already. I'm pretty sure that was Bambi that they were. It kind of looked like Bambi, like forest setting that yeah. they were showing. Um, Doris is pretty quick on her feet because she's also in this room as well. Yeah. She's like, what are you doing here? And it's like, bitch, what are, what you, are you doing? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Aren't you the train? <laughs> <laughs> she, she, well, this is where she says that, um, she's not the voice of the train whistle. She was just filling in because the original voice, uh, was at the dentist. AKA Andre. She asked Mr. Benchley if he'd like to view the camera himself and reluctantly at first he agrees to climb up and have a look for himself. I think that's cool. I would have gone up there. Yeah, he was like... Nervous. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, we then see in first person Wait. view. Yeah. Did you sense like some like sexual tension between the two of them in this scene? No. I feel like they were very flirty. The I camera guy like up top and Mr. Benchley. No, no, I mean um, oh. that lady. Oh. What's Mr. her name? Doris. Mr. Benchley is a fucking creep. Yeah. Oh, this the background looks man. great. This, yeah. like this. He was all about the ladies. Yeah. Uh-huh. He was very creepy. Yeah. I felt like this scene especially was very. And she was know. just playing along because like, you know, amiable woman, like, you know, yeah. whatever. But. We get a first-person view of what Mr. Benchley is looking at through the camera. Um, It starts out deep amongst the trees in a forest and passes through them, making it uh, more three-dimensional and giving the sense that you're actually walking through the forest coming out the other side. Wow. It's really cool. I didn't know that's how it works. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is it still like how it works today, kind of? Well, Um, they don't hand-draw animation anymore. It's all computer-animated. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, but they did this for a while. Yep. It's crazy. Yep. Next, he takes a look at the two-dimensional camera technique. Um, an artist has a very long landscape background drawing, and along the way, he uses cutouts of Donald in different walking positions. Yeah, and then he's like, oh, he's not even moving. Yeah, and he actually is moving because what they do is they take uh, like a celluloid frame and slowly move the background a little bit to the right, and they switch up the position of Donald and his feet. So when all those images are played together, it gives the it makes it look like he's walking. 
Like yeah, a flip, like knew, a flip book. Yeah. yeah, like, and I knew that that's how it worked, but it was just kind of cool to see them yeah. showing it. it and doing yeah, it. yeah. Mr. Bench is not impressed. Donald comes to life and yells at him and argues and t- tells yeah, him this I is know. exactly what it does. Um, it's kind it, of funny that they, like, animated that yeah. scene of how the animation works. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, we get to see cool. the final product, yeah. him going to milk a cow and singing yeah. Old McDonald. Yeah. Old McDonald. I don't get what... Wait, you said that last night too. His name is Donald. Oh. <laughs> Donald Duck. He was like, Old oh, McDonald. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> did it like. Old oh, McDonald yeah. Duck. Yeah, it did oh, not. McDonald it did Duck. not make. I did not make the connection. <laughs> Over the intercom, we hear Humphrey calling out for Mr. Benchley as he is wanted in Walt's office still. Are you laughing at me? No, I'm laughing at this idiot Humphrey. Oh. Just dicking around all day looking for this idiot. Like, how many times do you have to lose the same person? You lost a grown man. Yeah, like, multiple times. Like, come on, Mr. Benchley. Like, stop calling him. Maybe I'll find him. Mm-hmm. Mr. Benchley, he's running away from you. He does and He does announce where <laughs> yeah, he is. Like, come on. <laughs> Sneak up on him. Boom. <laughs> Doris then escorts Mr. Benchley out of the room and through the lot, and he explains that he's trying to avoid Humphrey. Um, Doris, and she's like, "Oh wow, yeah, us too." Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows Humphrey too. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, we all avoid him. <laughs> he's the weird one. Yeah. Be nice to the creepy guy at work. Yeah, Did they not? For real. No. They didn't get the memo. No, they didn't. Doris brings uh, Robert to the Rainbow Room. Which is where all the colors of paint are created and stored. Dude, that room. I want to be in this room. Fa- that was such rooms. a cool room. Yeah. Oh, this in this room they had the gas masks too. Yes, they did. Yes. Understandably. A lot of those powders are toxic. Working with yeah. chemicals and yeah. whatnot. Um, very interesting up until this point. Uh, it's been mostly men working in all these rooms. Not the rainbow room. This is all women. It's like yeah. a nursery. Yeah, do the color work. Yeah. You know why, Dan? You want to know why? Because they paid them cheap that but also <laughs> but also because women can see variations in color better yeah. than men can no they can um, it's true I it's a that likes I, to I, argue I, with I agree you with this. you again he's like no, no I you just see the color wrong no. right Excuse me? excuse me, excuse me. We took color theory together. I know, we both took Are it. you fucking kidding me right now? I will slit your fucking throat <gasps> and watch all the different variations of red come pouring out of your veins. Is that? Which what? The rapper it's orange. Okay, we agree on that. What color is? Yeah, what color is this? Yeah, this. Teal. Dark green. No, it's a scientific fact that most more men are color. Teal. More men are Listen, colorblind than women. It's teal. So. I don't know what you're talking about with your pseudoscience over there, but that's definitely He's teal. He's being such a dick. Well, I, I, I this also, is like an ongoing thing, and he I knows that I'm I have a theory. I don't know if this is right or not. That people with like lighter eyes definitely see the colors differently than people with dark eyes. Well, I don't know if that I don't know if that is a real thing, but me and Michael never agree on any colors. You're <laughs> wrong. <laughs> we can confirm my dad can't see shit with colors. That's true. Like so alarmingly, you, it would make sense that you take orange. after him. I don't think after him. I can see color. Look, all my notes are written in different colors. That's nice. But I can see <laughs> but I can see more <laughs> shades than you can. You yeah. can't see as many shades. Like I'll put two colors that are very similar next to each other and I'll be able to decide. Have you ever took the test? Can't. Yes. Like the shade test? Yes, and I've given them to him and he fails. <sighs> oh, it's hard for me to differentiate shades too. Oh really? Oh, I am pretty good at it. I'm really good at it. I should also note that I'm a graphic designer. It should also <laughs> note that I also went to school for photography and technically I have more schooling than you because I also went for an associate's in graphic design. And yes, I didn't finish, but I still have more credits than you. Look, all I know is that this rainbow room looks awesome, and I want to be in there. 
Yes. This is where I would want to work. You can't just admit that I see color better than you, though. I think we see. I think we both see color perfectly. Me too. Oh. I think everyone sees color perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> I hate all of you. No, all I'm you. on your side, Vicky. Thank Don't you. Because I, I feel like I can't think of an example right now, but I know I've seen it firsthand where yeah. Dan can couldn't yeah. distinguish two different colors. Yeah, Don't ask me for an example, about. but I, I feel so like. So does that's Dan represent all men? Yes. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> if the graphic designer can't distinguish more colors, I can distinguish then. color. <laughs> 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 By hovering over the color and seeing the numbers and everything for what it stands for isn't distinguishing it. Yeah. You can distinguish it by your eyeballs. I'm gonna edit the shit out of this. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. He's gonna like cut I'm just gonna be Team Dan. Like, Dan has the best <laughs> yep. vision. Yep. <laughs> color. <Excellent>. Literally. <laughs> Don't do that. Mm. Do it. Doris then shows Robert the lab where the girls add all the chemicals together to create the different colors. Um, Hi-Ho is playing in the background as we get like a color montage of them all being made. Michael liked that part. Mm -hmm. I like that part. <laughs> yeah. um, we then see the animators using the fresh pa uh, paint, <laughs> or paint, uh, the fresh paint that uh, was made for different drawings that they're on. Um, the drawing that we see being made is Bambi. Bambi. Yeah. I feel like they used a lot of paint. They did. This. You mean that one glob that yeah. she put on? Yeah. I, I was like, whoa. But that was because it was the back. Yeah, because then, then flipped when she flipped it around, I was like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. They take the uh, the Bambi celluloid frame and apply it to a forest background, and then Bambi comes to life and starts prancing around and even hiding from Robert. And there was, yeah. more, there was more flirtation in this scene. Oh, too. yeah, Robert hitting on uh, Doris. Yeah, he was like, oh, the background looked nice before. Before, yeah. Doris walks away while Robert uh, begins to observe a bunch of uh, different miniature uh, statues of dis different Disney characters. Did anyone recognize? There's a bunch here. Anyone see? There's from Fantasia was the one that he stole, right? Yeah, yeah and that one is from a deleted scene in Fantasia, no, right? No, 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 oh, no, it's no, not. We saw that. Oh, we did see that one. But you know which yeah, one I'm talking about, Yeah, there was something that right? was deleted that we, it's not oh, even on Disney+. Plus. It's the one when... Um, there's like a little, there's a smaller like little centaur and she's like holding the yeah. tail of the, the, of the, the red carpet, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That one, that one was bad. But there are current characters and upcoming characters that we see among all the statues. Um, there's Captain Hook, Peter Pan, Tinkerbell, Mr. Smee, John and Michael Darling from Peter Pan. Mm -hmm. There's Aunt Sarah, Cyan Am from Lady and the Tramp. And uh, Timothy Mouth from Dumbo oh, is yeah. the last one to be placed on there. And then existing so, characters, there's Chernabog, Pluto's there. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting, too, because at first I was like, why do they have all these? But then yeah. they said, they're like, so you can see the character mm -hmm. from all angles. Yeah. Like, you know yeah. what to draw. I was like, that is so smart. It is smart. It's cool. Mr. Benchley's looking at all the statues, and of all the characters on the shelf, he picks up... The, the topless controversial centaur. topless zebra centaur yep. from Fantasia, and he gets a good look at it too. Yeah, we don't find we, we didn't we didn't see him take it. Did no, we, we didn't. no, we just no. noticed it at the end. Yeah. yeah. A sculptor shows Mister Benchley what he's been uh, what she's been working on, and it becomes clear that she is sculpting an exaggerated face of Mister Benchley himself, uh, complete with droopy eyes and large nose. It looked like he belonged like in the haunted mansion. The, the singing bus. And they thought yeah. it was like Eeyore at first with the droopy eyes and everything. And yeah. then when they put the nose on, I was like, ah. Oh. 
I thought it was Jeeves from Ask Jeeves. Okay. It looked like it. Right. Ask Jeeves. Ask Jeeves. The kids don't even know. She no. sculpted it so fast. Yeah. It well, was a little uncomfortable. All right. I know somebody at this table knows. Does anyone else know how they did the sculpture that fast? Did they deconstruct it and then rewind it? Because that's what it looked like. Yeah, they started out... Go ahead, Toya. Tell because you, you... They started out with his sculpture. I want to give, I wanna give to, uh, Toya credit, because as we're watching it, she picked up on it immediately. Well, I picked on, up on it right away with the nose, is yeah, that what I realized? Yeah, they, they sculpted it, and they filmed... And then they... They, took they it apart. filmed her taking it apart, and then they played it backwards yeah. to look like she was just putting it together really fast, yeah. which I thought was really cool. Yeah, you, you could tell yeah. by the way her hands are moving that yeah. it's being played in reverse. Yeah, mm. pretty, pretty. Also, uh, there's no way to like just kind of right. yeah <laughs> into. Yeah. And then it was like hard already. Like right. yeah, yeah, even he like was carrying it under his arm. Yeah, didn't mm. even. The sculptor gifts the bust of him to uh, Mr. Benchley. Because really, what the fuck are they going to do with it? Yeah, right? yeah. And he takes it with him, and uh, he escapes with Doris, because uh, Humphrey's lurking. Yep. He's looking, he's on the hunt. <laughs> he's sniffing him out. Yep. Uh, Mr. Benchley, is in, uh, in the next scene, he's now alone. Uh, he makes his way through the halls, and he encounters a nurse holding a baby bottle and food. Um, and we then hear a baby crying from behind the story conference room. And he's like, ha ha ha, imagine if that was real. Yeah, it is real. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like, really? Yeah. When he enters, he sees a bunch of animators observing a baby as they draw to get the mannerisms and features down. Child workers' rights. Well, they did enforce they, them pretty they well. They did, yep. yeah. 15, 15 minutes 15 and then they They were just trying to show. Like, no, yeah. we, we, we abide by the law here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the 15 minutes are up and they take the baby away to feed and nap and rest and whatever babies. I wish I got to work in 15 minute shifts. Damn, right? Not babies. That baby portrayed in other movies. That probably gets then, so much more done. No? That's nope. not the, um... <laughs> yeah, that's not, like, it, it reminded me of, like, the baby Hercules a little. Oh. I can kind of see baby that. Baby did look familiar to me. It looked really familiar. I, familiar. I had to look it up and I just seen the one short. What? What? What's well, no, because I, because I figured out where they used it. Remember? No, they haven't used this baby anywhere else. No, but like the inspiration. Oh, part. it looks a. Go ahead. There's two different things. Jack Jack. No. That's another <laughs> good one. Oh, that's a good one. Um, the first one is it looks very very similar to Michael from Peter Pan, like the face. Oh, okay. A little more right. Yeah. Like if Michael. Yeah, it was a little bit older. Yeah. And then the other one, which I think is a little bit more spot on, is the baby animation from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, I don't know. I didn't see that. <gasps> no one's seen that. <gasps> oh, that's a good one. Have you seen Roger Rabbit? Mm -mm. Oh my god. It's another hybrid. You guys are going to crack up. It's so funny. I believe it. Is that on our list? Yep. It's a ways you away. Should, you should long say that it's on our list. I saw it yesterday. I got yep. so excited and realized it was Disney. What is? The Sound of Music. When um, we were talking about like the Dumbo and Bambi, it was like, oh, those are coming soon. Those are going to be close. Yep. yep. Can't wait. <laughs> so... When they take the baby away, um, the animators now notice Robert and ask him to take a seat as they want to get a fresh mind and a different perspective on, on a story, story that they've been working. And we see a storyboard process, uh, something that's still used to this day when they plan out movies. Um, it's We had to do that in our class. You did? It sucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we did have to do that. Yeah, it did look very tedious. It sucks. It's basically just the whole story told through single frame sketches representing yeah. each scene. It sucks. Yeah. It's, yeah. But yeah, but it, like how else, aside yeah, from no, it's, putting a whole thing together, how else necessary. could you pitch your idea? The story is called Baby Weems, and here we see a like short, short 
Yeah, our, mm-hmm. our kind of like first short, I guess you would say. Yeah. Uh, being told from start to finish by the animator to Robert, but he also acts as a narrator for the short as we transition from real life to the sketch in single frames. Opens up in a shot of a father uh, nervously pacing outside a hospital corridor. Um, Mr. Weems waits to hear the result, and then a, nor- a nurse opens the door and says that it's a boy. A boy. A boy. <laughs> In the hospital nursery, there are rows and rows of babies crying until we zoom in on the baby weems. Even though there are some very yes. controversial babies drawn there. Disney? Never. <laughs> um, he's the only child in the nursery not screaming his head off. The nurse talks to baby weems and remarks on how he is a quiet one. Just then, baby weems begins to speak and perfectly says, well, there really isn't much to talk about. <laughs> and the nurse is blown away by the newborn's ability and calls a whole bunch of doctors in for assistance. Um, Dr. Jekyll. Dr. Jekyll. Dr. Jekyll. Yeah. Just a whole bunch of doctors. <clears throat> All the doctors observe the baby weems and are blown away. News reporters and photographers swarm the hospital to see the miracle for themselves. And the parents can't even see the baby. It's so sad. Yeah. News begins to spread, broadcasted all over the radio for the world to hear. And Mrs. Ner- uh, Mrs. Weems asks a nurse where her baby is, and the nurse says that he can't be bothered because he's in conference right now. Yeah, he becomes like a political uh, yeah. icon, wins a Nobel Prize. He wins everything. Yeah, he works with Einstein. Father even tries to go to the conference, and he doesn't have a press card, so he's not allowed in to see his own yeah, son. so sad. Yep. Baby- then he gets sick. <laughs> and dies! <laughs> oh, wait. The end. <laughs> Okay, so dad can't get in. Yeah, they even go to um, a concert that Baby Weems is conducting, and they don't have tickets, and it's all sold out, so they can't see him perform at uh, Carnegie Hall either. Um, Mr. Weems, Mrs. Weems questions if they'll ever get to see him again, and the two don't know if they will. And they were rocking a... Oh, that's so sad. Honorary degrees, knighted Sir Herbert Weems, Medal of Honors, and even immortalized on Mount Rushmore. Um, they, they only show Washington and Lincoln for some reason. Yeah, seen yeah. that. I don't know why, because like they were all constructed by this point. They only did those two, I guess, to make room for baby Weems. <laughs> um, in the audience of the theater where all these accomplishments are playing, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Weems enter the theater and they are excited to see their baby on the screen calling out, that's our son, yeah, we're so excited. Yeah. And they um, throw them out. Yeah, everybody's annoyed at them though, so they just throw them out of the theater. <laughs> the President of the United States even calls upon baby Weems to help solve the nation's gigantic problem. What that is, I'm not sure, they didn't say. There's always a gigantic problem. But regardless, baby Weems answers the call and goes to Washington where a parade is thrown in his honor. Mr. and Mrs. Weems are there. But they're on top of a gigantic building to observe. But then he gets sick. He does get sick. Um, Just as they're about to make the major announcement that Baby Weems has. What is that? Oh, yeah. I I was looking at Oh, we're we're not up to that yet. (laughs) Oh, did we pass that? No, not yet. No. Okay. Yeah, we're not up to that yet. Just (laughs) as uh, they bring out Baby Weems to make his major announcement to Congress, um, it is erupted and the announcement interrupted excuse me and the announcers inform everyone that there will be a slight delay and chaos ensues as baby weems has been rushed to the hospital his temperature has soared and the tragic tragic news spreads all over the world and we get the lovely depictions of different parts of the world and his parents can't even go see him yeah there is a uh that is. That's why that had that yeah warning. there's a, lot of really a terrible depiction of uh a lot of different 
Yeah, I don't. I don't even want to get into which ones. No, it's just bad. It's too, it's like two seconds, but it's pretty. Yeah, they it's just pretty show rough. Different cultures from around the world, because there was this one. I'm that's the images. one. Yeah. That's, that's the really bad one. That's the one. Like, There's this one too. Yeah. yeah, that one's bad. Yep, that one came this before. One, See, yeah. the thing is, is like all these are bad and they came before the last one, which is probably the worst, where it's just like, oh my god. It's like, yeah. I, I looked at Alex literally when that popped up yeah. and I'm like, are they serious? If mm -hmm. you really want to know, just go look for yourself. Just, it's up just, there. just Google baby weems. Yeah, yeah really. true. Uh, but the news spreads like wildfire and um, while baby weems is in the hospital, um, Mr. and Mrs. Weems are forced not to stay at bedside of their baby, but instead they're listening outside on a park bench. Yeah, it's so sad. In the rain with a radio. Yeah. Um, the broadcast comes through, though, to inform the world that baby Weems' temperature has begun to drop. Um, it looks like he'll recover just fine. The news spreads everywhere. Baby Weems gets ready to deliver the, uh, deliver the announcement that he was set to deliver. And his major announcement... This Gloggle. Goggle. Gloggle, goggle, goggle. I know, and then people like immediately turned the radio off, and I was like, you never know. Keep it on for another few seconds. Maybe Gloggle yeah. meant something. Yeah, like you don't know. Yep. Baby Weems has lost all ability to speak and now simply communicates and cries and coos. And the fickle public who once idolized him uh, were soon to forget him. His face stripped of all advertising, his face blown off the side of Mount Rushmore. <laughs> uh, so intense. If we ever replace a face on uh, Mount Rushmore, I hope they do it that way. They just put a dynamite on it and just blow it up. Yeah. <laughs> Baby Weems soon becomes a distant memory to all, except for Mr. and Mrs. Weems. Obviously. Now, they're so happy. Reunited so with their baby, out of the spotlight, and they're able to enjoy an it's ordinary life. It's not even life. reunited, it's just united, because they've they never, never seen the baby. The baby. <laughs> They're able to enjoy an ordinary life with their baby, as happy as they can be with a normal, happy baby. Yeah. And the camera, and... the camera fades back out to live action, where we see the animators and Mr. Benchley uh, towards the bottom of the storyboard, and they too are wrapping up the story for him. Uh, Mr. Benchley goes to collect his things and tells the crew that he uh, he did enjoy the short and noted, and we see the running gag still going on here, where he picks up a drawing. Somebody has drawn Mr. Fen uh, Benchley's face as a baby. Yeah. Did that did that short ever appear anywhere? No. Okay. That short was just made for this film. Uh, never turned into a short on its own. It Which would just... have been a great short. It would have been, but we saw it. We've seen I it. I know, right. but like... <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mr. Benchley leaves, and in the hallway, Humphrey is still searching for him. He is announcing his location for everyone to hear. Humphrey's like, I got you, bitch. I'm going to get you. Yeah. So Mr. Benchley goes and hides in another room. And this time he's entered another animator's room. Here he is greeted by a real-life Disney animator. It's uh, Ward Kimbrell. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a real animator? This is a real animator, yeah. one I guess one that didn't go on strike. Or maybe he did, and he was just in the film and never saw himself. <laughs> Mr. Benchley notices on the wall a bunch of famous paintings, but with Donald inserted in them, including uh, the Whistler's mother, which yeah. is what we saw in Early to Bed the last, last time. Oh. Where he crashes through the painting. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mr. Benchley observes over Ward's shoulder and notices that he is drawing Goofy. This was my least favorite. Yeah, this was kind of where I was getting. Oh, I like this one. <laughs> like I like this short. I like the but... short, but I didn't understand like what they what were they doing that they showed like 
don't know. Oh, I thought they were showing him the new Goofy one that was coming up. This one isn't in the short, though, what he Goofy's doing here. It's just mm. him dancing around. Um, he completes a drawing of Goofy, and he puts it on top of a stack of papers, and when he flips through but them like a flip it. book, it's a, a yeah. da dancing animation of this Goofy. This is kind of where the, the movie started to lose me, honestly. Towards yeah. the end? Yeah. Yeah. Because it was just, like, a lot. And, and you guys know... We all know watching these shorts, like four shorts in a row, is like a, it's, mm -hmm. it's a lot. Yeah. yeah. So it's like that's literally all this was with like more fluff around it, and it's yeah. like. Yeah. And I also feel like I don't know. We kind of know how animation works already, but we didn't know like the color, and we didn't know the sound effects, yeah. and like how they like seeing them getting the inspiration for the animation. But like we right. know how people draw things. Like right. I don't know. I guess back then they didn't. I don't know. Also, while this is going on, uh, Humphrey is being given the riot act by his supervisor. He tells Humphrey, if you can't keep track of Mr. Benchley, I don't know how I can trust you with anything important. Oh, no. Oh, God. So he's Poor off Humphrey. on his way to find Mr. Benchley again. Back in the animator's office, Mr. Benchley is being shown a goofy short by Ward that will come out soon. It is uh, How to Ride a Horse. Will we see this one? I don't know if we'll see this one, but it's the first uh, goofy how-to short that they made. And I love those. How to Ride a Horse, the narrator opens up by telling us that the outside of a horse is good for the inside of a man. Anyone, yeah, like, what? Anyone want to decipher that for me? I don't know. It was weird, but also, like, they were saying it was good for the heart and the liver, and I was like, I don't know if any of that is true. I mean, like, I'm sure horseback riding is, like, good for you. Like, I don't think it's bad for you, but I don't know that it necessarily is, like, beneficial to your health in yeah, that way. Yeah, in that way. Uh, yeah. If anything, for a man, I feel like it's going to crush your nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Never been horse riding, Luck so riders. I don't know either, yeah. <laughs> really? I love horseback riding. We should go at the Tri-Circle D Ranch. Oh, yeah, sure. I like yeah. it. <laughs> I've been horseback riding a bunch. Yeah, I like my nuts better than horseback riding. <laughs> just pl just plop them on. Just yeah, it'll be fine. Just, just treat them, them right. Yeah, yeah wear a cup, cup or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like your work up. You're not gonna you're not gonna go that fast where it's gonna hurt. Intentionally, yeah, you can ride side saddle. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Intentionally, I'm not gonna like go. Like a princess. Yeah. I will be a princess then. <laughs> but yeah, do, do you know? Did you look it up? What no, that means? I have no um, idea what it means. I thought one of you might know. No. Uh, Goofy is introduced in his uh, horse riding costume as the narrator goes over his gloves hat, boots, and riding coat. The horse is next, the aristocrat of the animal kingdom, he the calls him. The horse is a dick. Most magnificent of all dumb animals, he says. I know, they're not dumb, they're very intelligent, but this horse is a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Goofy begins his approach and greets the horse. The horse doesn't appreciate the patting on the head that Goofy does. Um, Goofy then tries to win over the horse by offering him a carrot as an offer of friendship. Um, the horse eats the carrot from Goofy, but can tell he has more, so he, uh, Kind of aggressively pins him down on the ground, <laughs> turns yeah. him over, that spreads little, him out. That was a little weird. Rips his uh, pantaloons or whatever yeah. that's called uh, from off of him. Next up is how to mount the horse. Goofy brings out a stepladder for assistance. He tries the horizontal approach, known as the up and over. But the horse isn't having any of it and slides out from underneath Goofy. Yep. Uh, all, all the time the horse is just laughing at Goofy's expense too. Next is trying to try mounting without the ladder and just using the stirrups. There is a right and a wrong side for mounting. The right side is the wrong side. The left side is right. Since the left is right and the right is wrong, we place the left foot yeah. with the right this foot like... in the left stirrup, which is right, being the left, of course, since the right would be wrong. Definitely. Sorry, right? I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but that, like, no. you started going off and I was like, stop, I can't follow it. I couldn't follow <laughs> it then, I can't follow it now. 
You put your left foot in, in the left. left in the, in, in. You put your left foot in the left stirrup. You hoist your your carcass up and you fling your leg over to the right side and put your right leg in the right stirrup. Cha cha, real smooth. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you mount a horse. Goofy eventually does uh, mount the horse, but he's backwards. Um, the narrator goes over the speed of the horse along with the man moving in perfect unison. When together, this is known as rising to the trot or posting. Ooh. I don't know if that's true. That's just what he said. Now that we have the riding, uh, the riding down, it's time for the hurdles. Uh, the horse doesn't want to jump over the hurdles, though. Uh, the horse shakes Goofy off of him. And the narrator informs us what to do if you have fallen off your horse, which is lie quietly. Because a horse will never step on a fallen rider, <laughs> apparently. What? But he will cannonball onto yeah. you, apparently. <laughs> As late afternoon sun slowly fades over the hills, we head homeward. Um, the experienced horse rider also walks his horse to the stable. And just when the horse hears the word stable, he gets excited, so excited. and like, he guns yeah. it. And closes the door behind him as Goofy crashes into the stable doors okay. with the short coming to an end. Yep. It was alright. Yeah, I Not the like best short. I like the how-to ones, but that was a stupid one. Yeah. They get yeah. better, I would say. Yeah, they do. Do you remember in sixth grade we had to like do um, write an assignment on how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Yes. And it was like we had to be so explicit. Yeah. Explicit. And our teacher was so extreme. It was like put the jelly on the bread and then he would like be take so the whole jar, whole jar of jelly, jelly and just, just like <laughs> slam it on the bread like yeah yeah uh, it's yeah. quite the writing assignment it was yeah it was i guess it's just to like get you to be descriptive yeah, yeah. and to like show you that like details you, you, yeah and you can't just assume that people are going to understand what you're talking about just because it's like a very common thing like just because it's common for you doesn't mean it's common for everybody mm, i see so we go back to live action where Mr. Benchley and Ward are viewing the end title of the short. Robert then hears what sounds like a dog panting from behind. It was so fucking I know. Creepy. I was like, must you? He turns around and finds you. another real life Disney animator. This is Norman Ferguson, who is panting in the mirror. He's trying to get the facial expressions as he draws Pluto. Um, then Robert joins him. Yeah, yeah like, the two of them together. I, you're just panting at, and looking at each other in the mirror. Like, uh -huh. it's just so I weird. I didn't need weird. to watch that, no. No. Really <laughs> weird. It was a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Humphrey then finds Mr. Benchley. He enters the room, and he tells him that Mr. Disney is waiting for him in his projection room, and it's t this time he's going to follow Mr. Benchley so he doesn't get lost. Mm -hmm. In the projection room, we see Walt sitting among his workers, um, Humphrey introduces Walt to Mr. Benchley, and Walt asks Robert to sit and asks him if he wants to stay and view the short that they're about to view, which Robert agrees to do so. And Walt's sitting very weirdly. Yeah, he's got his legs folded up like, uh... Like all, one leg folded. Yeah, yeah. It's all casual and whatnot. You also mentioned it's kind of weird seeing Walt. Young, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, like, I picture the Disney World. Yeah. Age of no, he's Walt. like a young guy. He kind of does look like Mortimer Mouse here. Yeah, like, I kind of see it now. Yeah, that projection room thing. They still do that because when we watched that like behind the scenes Frozen thing, yep. they were they were doing that, and I think it might actually be the same room. It might be. Yeah. Yeah. Walt says that he understands that uh, Robert has an idea for him, um, and before Robert can get around to telling Walt what it is, the picture in the theater begins. So they decide to wait until after it's done playing to discuss it. Good thing. Well, not for. 
Robert. Um, the short on the screen takes over as we open long, long ago in a faraway land. There lived a brave little boy who considered himself an authority on brave, fearless knights and fire-breathing dragons that terrorized the countryside. As the boy is reading, a flock of sheep and his father go running by, scared, and the father tells the boy that he saw a dragon himself and how horrible it was. The father runs off for uh, to inform the village, as the boy assures him that he'll go have a look for himself. The boy comes across a cave. Little ginger kid. I wonder how Alex felt. About I know, him. and his hair I, was really. At first, boring. I didn't realize he was a ginger. To be honest, I I wasn't like paying all that much attention because I was starting to get bored. This part, honestly, was, yeah. this is and then <laughs> it wasn't until like, the end that I was like, shit, that kid has orange hair. <laughs> it does look weird on his head. It just looks like a like yeah. a bowl. Yeah, he looks like Lord Farquaad. Yes. <laughs> The boy comes across a cave and with his slingshot goes to investigate. Outside the cave, however, in a nearby fountain, he hears singing and realizes that it is a giant green dragon bathing. Ah. The boy says hello to the dragon, which startles the dragon, and he assures him that he just came for a friendly chat, which the dragon is receptive of. The dragon tiptoes to get dry, uh, to dry himself off. The boy asks if he has any battles lately, to which the dragon says, of course not. Boy asks him if he does any des does any desperate work of any kind, to which the dragon replies that he does make poetry yes. and asks the boy if he wants to hear. And the kid's like, I mean, no, but <laughs> sure, you're going to tell me anyway, aren't you? I am going to tell you, Victoria. Just a drifting of leaves like a dewdrop fancy free, playing with the gentle breezes, romping with the bumblebeeses. Oh, what fun. Joy never ceases. Voice this dragon. Yeah, thanks, Michael. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> voice the dragon. We actually looked this up, and it's, it's not anybody who would. It's need not who you to think you. it is. I guarantee you that. It sounded. It was really giving me Alice in Wonderland yes. vibes. I thought Mad it was the Mad Hatter, Hatter but yeah. it is not him. Okay. It is not the Mad Hatter because that's immediately what I said, and yeah. Dan looked it up, and he was like, no, "Okay, no. well, well I would tell you the question. name, but I don't have internet right now. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <It's her. laughs> Why didn't you write it down? Yeah, no, I, I can look it, it up. Important. I don't really care who it is. I just wanted to know, is it the yeah. Mad Hatter? Once I saw not. it wasn't anybody noteworthy, I was like, I don't care. Yeah. We're towards the end of this, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah, no. Sorry, I the... dragon person, if you're still alive. Right? Oh, I thought dead. the kid was... Wow. Long gone. I thought the kid was <laughs> somebody, too. The kid is nobody. Okay. It's just a bummer. I thought the... Barnett Parker. The boy, I, I remember. Thought... Billy Lee was his Barnett name. Barnett Parker. I thought that Barnett the... Parker, of course. The knight was somebody. He's not anybody either, really, like... You know what I love about watching? I'm, this is we're getting. I'm getting off topic. I'm very sorry, but I love watching all these shorts and seeing all these things. Cause like I feel like the next time I go to Disney World, mm -hmm. I'm gonna see like little nods to yeah. these things. You know, like, I, I see like a pin or like yeah. something. You I, know? I looked up if the Reluctant Dragon is anywhere in Disney. Uh huh. I was yet, waiting for you to ask. ask yet, us that there's too. no Reluctant Dragon in Disney since like the 80s or 90s, where, where he was featured in a parade. Oh. That's oh. it. Yeah, yeah, well, people don't even know who Elliot is in the parade, so... Yeah. There's that. Yeah. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> from, the dragon, uh, Elliot Peach from dragon. Peach Dragon. He was in the Main Street Electrical Parade. Uh, and and Pete rides on his head. Uh-huh. And yeah. he's like, say hi, Elliot! And he's all... But yeah, the... He's the green one with the purple spots. Okay. You've definitely seen that. I don't think I've ever seen the Main Street Electrical Parade. Oh. I think I don't that's think I've ever seen, definitely seen him either. on, like, a pen or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah, the reluctant dragon's like nowhere to be found. Well, he kind of sucks. He does kind of suck. Well, yeah, it does, but it's just, yeah. The boy informs the dragon that he's in for trouble, as his father's rounding up the village and they're coming for him. He's an enemy to the human race. 
Damn. The dragon doesn't want to hear it. We know all about how terrible people, terribly yeah. people react to enemies of the human race. Yeah. Well, he says he doesn't have an enemy in the world. Um, the boy walks off seemingly frustrated with his encounter because this dragon was not on, as he had read in his book. Back in the village, Sir Giles the Knight has rallied up the support of the town and it is clear that he will be the one to kill the dragon. The boy races back to the dragon where he is comfortably sitting playing his flute with the birds. The boy informs the dragon Sir Giles is coming with a long sword and spear and the dragon will have to fight him. Um, but the dragon isn't really interested. He doesn't want he to fight. He doesn't have to fight. It's too much work for him, he said. Yep. So the boy goes back to the village to meet with Sir Giles and... Uh, much to his surprise, Sir Giles is an old man. Yep. A lanky yeah. old man. Who looks very much like the Duke from Cinderella, as you pointed out. Yeah. yeah. He's just got he white hair. Really he really does. does. Yeah. Uh, the boy informs Sir Giles that the dragon won't fight, which annoys Sir Giles. Um, he says he, he too is a poet, though, and the boy realizes from this encounter that the boy and the, uh, no, the dragon... he goes, I am a bit of a bard myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, ah, great. Either way, though, <laughs> the boy realizes that the knight and the dragon are not what his book would tell him that they are, and they're a bit of a letdown for him. The next day, Sir Giles and the boy go to the dragon and interrupt his picnic that he's having. Um, the two join the dragon, and... It is here where the dragon made aware that the person joining him and the boy is in fact Sir Giles, which turns his mood sour, and he wraps up his picnic he doesn't want to share with them anymore. Um, Sir Giles explains that he'd been looking forward to meeting the dragon, though, because he heard he's a poet. Um, he asks the dragon to recite, which he is excited to do. He recites to an upside-down cake. I didn't write this one. Don't worry. Um, I didn't care about that. Upside down cake. Yeah. yeah. And then all of you were like, "What's an upside down cake?" And yeah. I was like, "Are you guys?" Well, for you real? never told us. I just know what a pineapple upside down. That's cake basically is. the. Oh, that's yeah. what an upside down cake is. There was no oh. frosting on it. You take a cake yeah. and I didn't say frosting. frosting and you flip it over. Oh, you yeah. said frosting. Yeah, yeah no. And I was like, gross. no, there was no. There's no frosting. Sounds gross. Dan. I love upside down cake to see if there was something other than a pineapple. No, it's like. I would have made it, but. I mean, they do have like other ones, but like the pineapple. It would be like fruit or something. Yeah, it's always weird. Yeah. Yeah, which you guys don't like. <laughs> I don't like fruit in my snacks. <laughs> Why? Because so I just want something that's gonna make me fat for a snack. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Want, if I wanted fruit, you it wouldn't be a snack. It, it wouldn't would be, be a cake. Yeah. yeah. Like would... cake is for chocolate, vanilla, funfetti. That's it. No. I don't want fruits no. in my cake ever. My no. birthday cake was a lemon chiffon cake. I would hate it. <laughs> you have a lemon cake birthday cake every year. My mom makes lemon cakes. I don't request it. <laughs> she just does it and she, she doesn't ask does you? It. You know what's so funny is because when Jaime first met my family, like, way back, he, like, had this, like, running joke where he'd be like, wow, Diane, lemon cake is my favorite. Your lemon cake is so good. And from that point on, whenever we had some type of celebration, I was like, my mom's always like, I have to make a lemon cake for Jaime. Like, I have to make one. I have. And then maybe like two or three years ago, he finally was like, you know, I don't really like, it's like, they're good. It's good, but it's not like my favorite thing on the earth. That's such like a mom thing to uh -huh. do. One person compliments uh -huh. it. So now for the rest, for the, I have to every, make it for them. She always makes it. Yeah. yeah. That's cute. Yeah, I like, well, my lemon chiffon cake was very, very good. It was I good. like a lemon cake, but... My mommy makes me a chiffon cake every year on my birthday. Usually Aww. it's orange, but this year I requested lemon. Oh. Yeah. Orange? So would it be an orange chiffon cake? Yep. So are there pieces of orange or lemon in it? It's like zest. The zest. Oh, okay. And the juice. See, like, that's different. I could do that. A pineapple upside down cake with like has, like, slices oh, of pineapple. Oh, yeah, no, this doesn't happen. I could not do that. Yeah. That sounds so good. After reciting to an upside-down cake, Sir Giles recites his own poem as well. It's a poem about a radish. 
Yeah. That's all it Did is. Did you write it down? No. Do people actually put salt on radishes, though? Is that like I don't know, appetizing? have you ever eaten a radish? Like, cooked. They're really, really hard. Yeah. Like, raw. Oh, yeah. you can't just bite like, it. They don't no. break your teeth. I know, but that's what it looked like he yeah. was doing in Also, home. I don't know why you would put salt on it, because they're kind of spicy. Why is it spicy? <laughs> exactly. But yeah, like, I don't know. I feel like that's weird, but whatever. Whatever, bro. You do you, sir. When he finishes, the boy asks if he can recite one, too. This one I wrote down. Tis evening, from the stars above, a soft, mysterious light brings thoughts of friendship, joy, and love. Now, how about that fight? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was like, why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to finish it. No, I didn't remember the last one. The request alarms the dragon, who refuses to fight still. He storms off and refuses to listen yeah, anymore. Like holding his hands and... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sir Childs <laughs> and the boy try to entice the dragon by remarking on how beautiful a sight it would be for everyone to gather and to throw flowers at the feet of the dragon. Ah. They assure the dragon he won't get hurt and they'll fix the fight tomorrow, which the dragon reluctantly agrees to. Tomorrow they will fight. Hence the And then name he's like, Oh fuck dragon. He said that. He, he went, Oh fuck. He did at the end. He was like, fuck. He was like walking back, yeah. skipping back. Yeah, and he, he was, was like, like guys. Guys, and they're like, ah, no, no, it'll be fine. No backsies. Yeah. <laughs> bye. Oh, didn't hear you, bye. <laughs> the next morning, crowds have gathered to see the fight. Sir Giles arrives on his horse to cheers from the crowd. The dragon inside the cave with the boy says he can't go through with it, and he can't even breathe fire. Well, that's really, that's why he was like, oh, fuck, last night. Because, like, the night before, because he realized that he can't breathe fire, because you have to be mad to breathe fire, and he's not mad. Well, he's going to get mad, because the boy calls the dragon a punk poet, not a real <laughs> dragon, which angers the dragon, and he spits out fire. Yeah. The dragon now comes out of the cave, breathing fire and scaring all the villagers. Sir Giles charges at the dragon with his spear, but the dragon dodges. Yep. He tries again, but blows a cloud of smoke, causing Sir Giles to miss again. He chases the dragon back into his cave, swinging his sword as the crowd hears crashing and sees smoke coming out from the cave. Inside the cave, we see Sir Giles and the dragon faking the fight as they fan fire to create smoke and bang on pots and pans. <laughs> Sir Giles then chases the dragon back out of the cave with his spear. The dragon charges back at Sir Giles with his tail as a spear as well, and the two are... I thought that was pretty funny. It was cute, man. Yeah. <laughs> Like, what are you going to do with that, bro? <laughs> they charge at each other as the crowd cheers on. The two crash into the, uh, each other, creating a giant cloud of smoke for distraction, where in reality, inside the cloud of smoke, the two are actually dancing with each other, and they mimic the sounds of battle. Yeah. I know. I was like, what the hell? Why were they dancing? Just because they're friends. Because they were supposed to make it look like a kerfuffle. They're yeah. two gentle souls. <laughs> yeah. The time has come for the dragon to die, and he's very excited about this. <laughs> so Giles places his spear underneath the dragon's armpit as he cries out in pain for the crowd. Um, he acts like he's dying before falling to the ground in defeat, and the villagers celebrate Sir Giles in victory. Okay. But he's dead, yeah? Yeah. Apparently, I mean, like, we know he's really not dead, but, like, they all think he's dead. These villagers yeah. are under the impression that Sir Giles has slayed the dragon. Fast forward. <laughs> Sir Giles completely reformed the ferocious dragon, whereupon the satisfied villagers now welcome him into society. He's a f they thought he was dead! I don't know how he managed to explain this one yeah. to all the villagers. I wow. resurrected the dragon and he's now one of us. Yeah, like, what the fuck? Well, regardless, it appears to work. Um, the dragon joins them all for dinner, where they sing for he's a jolly good it's like fellow. It's like the Grinch. Yeah, it's <laughs> and he carved the rose beast. Yeah. 
And they sing, for he's a jolly good fellow, as the short comes to an end. And then to conclude the film, uh, we go back to live. We go back to live action, um, where Mrs. Benchley has uh, picked up Robert from the studio as they drive home. While he was shilly shallying around the lot, <laughs> Walt Disney, in fact, had enough time to make the reluctant dragon himself. Yeah, she was so pissed at him. Mom, she was pissed at him. Yeah, she, she was like, "I gave you one job, bro. Yeah, and you yeah. just go like, like, around all day." But you know what? <laughs> the problem she is, shouldn't is have that, left him. Yeah, but also yeah. he didn't even want to do it. Do it but also, like, it's not like he made it in one day. Like, that definitely had been being worked the on. The implication is that he made this in one day. Yeah, while he was off. That's, that <laughs> makes no sense. Everything. Yeah, that makes no sense. But okay. But you know what? Like, she knows her husband. So and she should have stayed with him. And this would have been done in the So like the that. shortcomings of one person is now the responsibility of the other person? No, but Well, like, she was the it was her idea and she's the one who wanted him to do it. I mean that, so if, that if you want valid. something done You do it yourself. That's valid. I uh, swept it all up. That's too. valid, but to say that she knows her husband so she should have done it. Like no 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 no. Okay, fair. He's a responsible adult. No, he's not. Sad. He was star- he was in He was worse than shooting ducks. <laughs> He is not a responsible adult. He should be a but responsible adult. But in theory, he adult. should be a, a responsible adult. But it's also adult. like, if you want something done right, do it yourself. So did Walt yeah. Moral of the story. Steal the idea. <laughs> done it. Yeah, she should have. Uh, well, I don't she know should've. if Walt stole the idea, but he had the idea. How did he get it? I don't know. How did they get it? From the book. Maybe he had the book, too. See, it would have made more sense if he, like, left but it the was book their, behind right. or something. That, I, when I went back and watched it again, I was like, maybe no, he, he left the book uh-huh. somewhere. Walt saw it and was like, oh, we should make this a short. Yeah. But he had the book with him the, the whole, whole time. time. Unless, when he told one of the first people he met, they went off and told Disney, hey, I got this great idea. Yeah. Maybe it was one of those uh, in the uh, elephant room. Mm, oh, yeah. You know, trying, maybe, to get ahead, trying to get ahead in the yeah. company. Maybe. Maybe it was... Good old buddy. Oh, it was great. Clarence Nash. You can't trust him. <laughs> we go back to uh, so Miss Miss Benchley berates Robert and can't believe he managed to mess this up. She asks Robert if he has anything to say for himself, and Robert replies in Donald Duck's voice, right? Ah, fooey. Yeah, I can't do Donald. <laughs> but he's do got Donald? like all of his shit no, in his no. arms. <laughs> yeah, like his sculpture <laughs> yeah. himself. Yeah. So he got some souvenirs out of this. Yeah. Yeah. Like a big kid. He had a good day. I was just going to say, he had a great day. So the movie comes to an end, and Disney wins again. Chalk went up for Disney. <laughs> the Mickey Overlord. So, closing thoughts. Anyone want to go? I feel like the backstage part was cool. Like, I liked yes. seeing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, I didn't need the shorts in there. Like, I understand why they did it, but I didn't need it. And also, I hated the Reluctant Dragon short. I thought it was so Yes. Funny. I think they could have left that whole part out. You yeah. can make an argument that the title of this movie, the, the namesake for this movie was probably the worst part of it, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Um, they should have, I don't know. I would have been the okay with The Reluctant Robert, like, would have been better. Yeah, right? Or Richard. Yeah, your dad. The Robert. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever his name is. Um, I, it probably wouldn't have done as well, but I kind of would have preferred if they just made this an hour-long documentary behind the scenes at yeah, Walt Disney yeah. Studios. And, like, explained everything yeah. to us rather than, like, making it fun. I don't know. I, I got a good laugh when I saw that this was going to be a bunch of shorts. I was like, I got him again. Yeah, yeah another, you did get us. Definitely sure. Yeah, you had us thinking last, that this last was podcast, just a you're like, oh, we have a movie. Yeah, another... and I was like, oh, it's an hour and 14 minutes. It's so short. I can sit through this. Yeah. After, like, once it started into the drill dragon part, I was like, oh, no, no, no. That's another one, <laughs> another one for I mean, Dan. Yeah. I mean, that would be like the whole thing. Oh, I can make a 10-hour movie, or I can make 10 
episodes in a series, and I bet you'll watch all ten episodes of it in one series. Mm-hmm. But I, I will say though that like I'm actually glad it did turn down the way it did because if they did an hour long movie of the Reluctant Dragon, oh, I, I would have. Yeah, that, that would have been really, really. Yeah. really well, it's bad. funny because when I looked up the Reluctant Dragon, you see like the the image I guess for it. It looks like it's gonna be cute. Yeah. It gave me like Sword in the Stone vibes, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, that kid reminded me of Wart. Yeah. From uh, the Reluctant. From Sword and Stone. Stone. I also thought it was kind of interesting to see like some faces for like names that we've been mentioning already. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Wall, it's, I mean, we know what Wall looks like. Yeah, but, but, like, but like Clarence Nash mm-hmm. and Ward Kimball, yeah. we've been saying their names. And the so chicken that's lady. The chicken lady, right? Yeah. Um, she really did look like a chicken. <laughs> I can understand. She didn't even speak anything. She just kept she talking laughed. like that, a chicken. That's, at one point, she just laughs yeah. in a regular <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like, I can understand why at the time they didn't like this, because they probably felt they were being gypped out of, like, a new Disney feature. But, like, I think now, going back and look at it, I think it's kind of interesting to see how this stuff worked back mm-hmm. then. Yeah. I like it's, it. like, kind of cool, cool. information-wise to see. a lot of work that went into it. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. And if you're not interested in the shorts at all and you just want to see behind the scenes, like, early Disney, you can knock this out in, like, 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah just watch, watch the first few. Yeah, yeah. Right. I saw the shorts. Yeah. Yeah. So... I don't know. Overall, I'd say I, I think it's interesting to watch. I would recommend it to somebody. Yeah, yeah, I would if if you're interested to see how this animation yeah. stuff works. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's because we're traumatized with all the shorts. Maybe that's why. Yeah. And on another audience, it might have been received a little better. I feel yeah. Like. I really didn't mind the shorts. It's just the ending that got boring. Oh, yeah. 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 I, and I'm just mad. I wish that we could have seen like. How did his interaction with Walt Disney play out? You know, it just yep. like, oh after the yeah, yeah. After, when they came like, back. What did he say after? Yeah. Like, did he say, "Oh, you you got my idea already," or did he just he like make didn't... something up was on the like, fly? Oh, never mind. Oh yeah, wanted... because what was his idea? Walt knew he had an idea. Yeah. He probably just said that. And Walt was like, <laughs> <He did it. laughs> "Get out! <laughs> I beat you to it." He did it already. Yeah. So. But yeah, so that's the Reluctant Dragon. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Good job, everyone. Yeah. Mm, uh, 7 out of 10 recommend 7 yeah. out of 10 mm, yeah, yeah about 7 that. out of 10 yeah, I'd say that <laughs> thanks for listening to the We Watch Disney podcast everybody um, next what guess what next time I promise no shorts I know what it is tell them Dumbo 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 yeah. Dumbo's oh, next I was looking at the list yesterday I was like wow I feel like we have to be coming up to Dumbo soon and I love so, Dumbo you got, like, a little what was it Dumbo and a couple shorts and what Bambi Bambi's coming up soon too so you got a little preview in this movie of what we're watching next but yeah that's gonna do it for us be sure to follow on Twitter at We Watch Disney spread the word and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from we're there too like hearts good reviews gold stars whatever it is also always like to mention if disney world is your thing we are also on youtube at we went to disney we do uh food reviews resort tours ride videos all that stuff we, uh, we're fun we are fun we more in october but yeah. we're going soon in october <laughs> for somebody's 30th birthday Woo-hoo. oh who's gonna be 30 shit i've already hit that i don't know can't be any <laughs> <laughs> to you alex sorry alex ah! She's the last one. I was scared. We're all in our 30s. Yep. And I think that's going to do it from here. So that's a goodbye from... Toya. Alex. Hales. Gilly. And Dan. And of course... Thanks for listening to our web talk.